For me, I think the best thing about being mixed is that I've been able to navigate between different worlds and it's taught me how to be a bridge and to look for similarities rather than differences. I totally agree. I think that with being biracial comes a lot of open-mindedness and just not having preconceived notions about people. Welcome to The Wave ERG podcast. I am here with Paula and Sophie, and y'all will introduce yourselves in a quick second, but just as a review of the podcast, this is really for ERGs to have an outlet just to share stories of ourselves and our peers and get to know each other a little bit more. And with that, I want to know a little bit more about y'all. Could y'all give us a quick name, pronouns, what you do at Tides and how long you've been with us? Sure, I can go first. My name is Paula Kim. My pronouns are she, her. I'm a philanthropic advisor on the Tides Foundation side and I've been at Tides for over two and a half years. Nice, pass it off to Sophie. I'm Sophie Asiaku. Uh, my pronouns are she, her, and I am the executive communications manager. Tuesday was actually my one year anniversary at Tides, and I just started as a regular full time employee. So thank you for having us on. Congrats. Yay. Congratulations on the one year. I actually started as a contractor as well, like renewal every three months. And then by end of 2021, I think, is when I officially got the full-time contract. And that was like, wow, I feel so tidestery now. <laughs> officially a tidester. Yeah, let me get my branded bottle. Where's my sweater? Let me get some sweatpants with tides. <laughs> Give me the whole kaboot, right? Cool. So for this episode, actually, we brought y'all on and asked y'all to share stories because it's unique perspective of being mixed. And specifically, y'all are active in multiple ERGs. At Tides, we have the API Plus ERG, the Black Caucus ERG, the Latine ERG, and the LGBTQIA Plus ERG. And so Paula you are active with the API Plus ERG and the Latine ERG. Right. And Sophie, you're active with the API Plus ERG and the Black Caucus ERG. Is that correct? Yes. So with that, can y'all give us then a little background of y'all's experience of being mixed? What is that experience for you? And I know we can't distill your whole life into one sentence, one paragraph answer. And I know even within communities of color, there's always that discussion of we're not a monolith, right? I'm sure that has some complications also and additional depth when someone is mixed. Can you share your experience of being mixed and give us a little bit more insight about you? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting being biracial in particular, because your parents are both 100% whatever they are, right? So my mom is 100% Colombian, and my dad is 100% Korean, although he mainly grew up in Hawaii, came to the States when he was there for. So it's interesting because I've had people say to me, 
oh, you're only half fat or you're only half fat. To me, in my mind, why can't I be fully both? Because my mother, for example, isn't going to say, oh, you're 50% Colombian now. I'm not going to teach you anything more about Colombian culture or I'm going to stop speaking to you in Spanish now. They're both fully who they are and where they're from. And both of those cultures are instilled in me from day one. And for me, Spanish is my first language because of my mother. And I even attended fifth grade in Colombia. But because I present more Asian to people, that can be a little bit confusing for some. That's cool. I did not know your first language was Spanish. Yep. And we would go back and forth to Colombia a lot. And so we would forget English because we would spend the summers there and only speak Spanish. And then we would have to relearn it when we got back. Oh, wow. And I was able to go back and forth and relearn it more quickly. My brother had more of a transition period when we would come back. He would only speak Spanish for a longer time. And his teachers wouldn't understand what he was saying for a bit. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. How about you, Sophie? So my background is a little complicated. In terms of nationality, I'm Franco-American, so I'm a dual citizen. I was born in the U.S., and then I grew up in France. Wow. Both my parents are French citizens, but they are both originally from different countries. So my father is from West Africa. He was born in Benin, which is a very small country between Togo and Nigeria. But his family emigrated to France when he was a baby, like one years old. So he grew up in France. And then on my mom's side, my mom is Chinese. She was actually born in Indonesia, but they moved to Hong Kong when she was about four years old. So she grew up in Hong Kong. So people ask me, where are you from? And I'm like, do you mean, where was I born? Where did I grow up? Where's home? Where are my parents from? It can be a, a little complicated to explain. Your mama, she grew up in Hong Kong, but then is a French citizen. Is that by marriage? Yeah, it's by marriage. They moved to France after they got married. So I was actually doing some LinkedIn stalking and I saw you went to a French high school in New York? Yes. So you speak French? Yes, I grew up fully bilingual and my mom taught us a little bit of Mandarin as well. She didn't even want to try with Cantonese, even though that's her first language. So English was kind of the common language between all of us. So when we were all together, that's what we would speak. And then I would speak French with my father and his side of the family. Wow. Not to be a pun, but it is a mixed bag of experiences. Like, that's pretty cool. But I do see the complication of when someone uses just that standard question of where are you from? And I moved to New York when I was 15 from France. And yeah, I did my last two years of high school at the French high school here. And I did my whole education in French until college. That's so funny. I also went to a French school growing up. Really? <laughs> yeah. I went to the lycée in L.A. because, well, my dad always said that they tried to find a Spanish bilingual school and they couldn't find one, so they just sent me to a French one. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Do you still remember your French, Paula? Yeah, it's in there. You know, I started from kindergarten, so... <laughs> I'm not going to bust out with French right now, though. 
<laughs> I know. I was waiting for you to bust out some French and start talking to give us a sample. I do a very good French accent, though. So also easier to, if you know one like Latin Romance language is easier to learn others. Like I, I studied Spanish and Portuguese, and the structure is is kind of similar. Definitely, especially when you're a kid, it you can absorb it so much more easily. Yeah. Actually, with that reference of romance language, why don't we go off of your story, Sophie? You were just talking about your parents, and so for all the romantics out there, how did your parents meet? So my parents met in Hong Kong. Both my parents were journalists, and my father worked for AFP, the French news agency, for his whole career. And one of his first job postings was in Hong Kong. So they met at some journalist event, and yeah, they got married in Hong Kong, and then they moved back to France, and then to the U.S., where my brother and I were born, and then back to France. Cool. So they might say that's where their story began. Oh. <laughs> so actually, this question was brought up by Paula when we were actually brainstorming because Paula, you said this is a question that you get asked a lot, right? Oh, right. Tell me about your parents, how they met, and how their story began. So my dad was backpacking around South America after grad school, and he met my uncle on the plane, and my uncle was in the Colombian military at the time. And my mom, for some reason, since the age of 13, wanted to have babies with a Japanese man so her children could be smart and beautiful. <laughs> I don't know how she got this into her head. Little girl in Colombia from the age of 13. So my uncle was like, oh, you have to meet my sister. And then, yeah, a couple of weeks later, they got married in Colombia and he brought her back to the state. And the rest is history. She was 19 when that happened, when they got married, and she had me when she was 20. Oh. And then you were born where? I was born and raised in Santa Monica, SoCal. Oh, you're in Santa Monica. That's a nice beach area. Very touristy. Pretty nice. Yeah, you don't really get a white Christmas, but you can go to the beach. So that's I have a question that's related to here, but not on our prep questions. But from this question of how your parents met, I would like to ask, has the experience of growing up in a mixed family influenced how you view potential partners or relationships in a way? Because I would say some, at least say Filipino, right? For me, there are some folks who want to just date other Filipinos because of a shared culture, just who, who you're around, and it kind of just sticks with something that you're comfortable and exposed to, right? Do you think growing up in a mixed family, has there been an experience of being more open or maybe you're drawn more to your mom's culture, dad's culture in that way. And has that influenced how you look at possible relationships? Such a personal question, Christian. <laughs> I mean, it's an interesting point because since my parents already kind of broke all the cultural taboos or whatever, according to their own families, there was never any pressure on me after that to date any type of person in particular from any particular type of culture, cultural background or ethnic background. 
so yeah, there hasn't really been any restrictions for me personally. Oh, and also fun fact, if I had kids with another half Korean, half Colombian, our kids would also be half Korean, half Colombian. Ah, good point. That's math. That's math. Good point. Yeah, my cousin is actually like that. She's half black, half white, and her partner is also half black, half white. So they have two kids who are technically half black, half white. (laughs) Nice. It's a little harder to find other half Korean, half Colombians, though. (laughs) That's true. I think for me, yeah, similarly, my parents already kind of broke any kinds of rules or expectations in their family. So no one really cares who I date. And yeah, my, my family's very open-minded. So that's, that's never been an issue. That's cool. I was just asking because in our family, we don't have that many mixed couples. And so it's not that it's explicitly Christian. You have to marry a Filipina. But then, you know, the older generation of my grandma is like, oh, you know, find a Filipino wife because A, B, and C, right? So it's just interesting about that. So I actually want to bring it to Paula because you had mentioned a while ago that you present more Asian, right? And that's complicated when your first language was Spanish. So from discussions I've had with folks who are biracial or mixed, that politics of presenting is something that's brought up and somebody may phenotypically seem or look one way, but that's not necessarily what they identify with or relate with the most, or it's not congruent, or sometimes it is congruent, right? What is your experience with this balance of presenting slash identifying with a culture or with being mixed? Is that something you've had to contend with in your experience of being mixed? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that's how the brain works, right? It wants to sort of automatically label people and put people in a box and that's how people feel most comfortable. And so it can just throw them off if they've labeled you a certain way subconsciously or put you in a certain box and then all of a sudden you're acting outside of that and I think that especially in a professional setting personally too people will think oh she's Asian and then expect you know more of a quiet or submissive attitude and that's not congruent with what I say or how I act then people can be thrown off by that and also you know even with people that I meet making new friends I think people won't understand why I'm being so friendly and warm you know, like my Colombian side of the family, and I'm like hugging everybody. And, you know, I'm like, we're best friends now, you know, and then people are like, whoa, that's, <laughs> that's a little unexpected. <laughs> and I think you've told me one time that you've had experiences where people don't expect you to understand Spanish. And so you overhear a lot when people are speaking Spanish in front of you. Sometimes, although I think people are pretty careful because a lot of people have studied some Spanish at some point in their lives. But it has happened, definitely. And then people also ask me to prove it a lot. So I could be with a more Latina presenting friend and she could possibly not speak any Spanish, right? But if I say, yeah, I'm half Latina, my mother's Colombian, then they're like, oh, do you speak Spanish? And I say, yes. And then I say, prove it, say something. Meanwhile, they're not asking, you know, my other friends. 
who doesn't even speak Spanish possibly, or maybe my Spanish is even better than theirs, right? So it's just interesting. And then of course, I don't really enjoy being put on the spot <laughs> to just bust out in another language as if I'm some kind of like dance monkey dance, you know? <laughs> so good thing a while ago, I didn't say, speak French, speak French. So good I didn't do that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it happens all the time. It's fine. Cool. How about you, Sophie? How's that experience been in terms of how you may present, how people may initially see you and first impression, and if that is congruent with what you identify with, what you uh, relate So for me, I think it's very contextual. I think my perspective has kind of changed over time, and it just kind of depends where I am in the world and the history of the place I am in. I think when I was younger, people would ask me what my background is. It was really important for me to give equal weight to all aspects of my heritage. But I think over time, if someone asks where I'm from, I'll give a different answer based on where we are, who the person is, what is their intention in asking me that. I might say, I'm from New York, I'm Franco-American, I'm Black, I'm, you know, West African and Chinese. Like, it, it just, it, it depends on the context. That's really interesting that you say that, Sophie, because what I've learned is that how people see me is more a reflection of them than it is of me. So if someone is saying, oh, you look mixed, that's usually people who have traveled a lot, right, and met people from a lot of different cultures. And then people who say something like, you just look Chinese to me. It's possible that they haven't traveled as much or just been exposed to different cultures as much. From what you were sharing, Sophie, it does sound like you've been able to contend with the experience because of your exposure to so many different places and cultures. And I like that point of how our relation to race in the U.S. is totally different from say in France and how that impacts how people view you or interact with you. Can I ask you, Sophie, how has your identity played its role in the environment of the workplace? And has mixedness played out in your professional life? Has it been a benefit being able to connect with more people? Or has there been any challenges because of this politics of presenting a certain way? I don't think being mixed has ever come up for me professionally. It's not something that I really talk about in the workplace. Um, Tides is the first organization I've worked at that has ERGs. So yeah, it's been nice to work at an organization where there are spaces to connect with both sides of my heritage. How about you, Paula? Yeah, I totally agree. It is also my first time working at a place that has ERGs. And I think for the first year, at least, I was only members of both ERGs. Although I did feel like an honorary member of the API Plus ERG Planning Committee. But we made it official this year. <laughs> and it's been great working with you all more closely. And I also noticed that the Latinx ERG, a lot of the leads had left tight. So I think for about a year, it was 
fairly quiet and I felt compelled to step up and help out. So just glad to be able to experience both sides of my cultures at the place that I'm working at. Cool. If there is a food for thought that you'd like to leave folks with, especially in regard to interacting with somebody who is mixed, because I know you've brought up before some of the things that may not be great, like prove it, prove that you're Latina, that you can speak Spanish, right? Is there something that you would like to share with folks about, oh, maybe you think about it this way when you find out somebody is mixed or approach it this other way, etc. Well, this hasn't happened at Tides or not as much as when I was growing up as a kid, but the question, what are you, is not the best. Mm. <laughs> Maybe ask what your ethnic background is and then believe them. Because I will tell people, not just that I speak Spanish, but, oh, I'm half Korean, half Colombian, and my name is Colombian. And people will be like, no, you're not. Your name is Hawaiian. And there's no way, and you know, they just believe us. How about you, Sophie? I definitely relate to being asked the what are you question because mm. I've gotten that my whole life and it's pretty offensive, honestly. But for me, I think the best thing about being mixed is that I've been able to navigate between different worlds and it's taught me how to be a bridge and to look for similarities rather than differences. I think that's that's like one of the most important things, um, no matter what community you're from. I totally agree. I think that with being biracial comes a lot of open-mindedness. People have told me I'm pretty non-judgmental, which I think is a good quality to have. <laughs> yeah, and just not having preconceived notions about people. I always think the best of people, so... That's why you think Maybe. my jokes are the best. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> if, <laughs> if people just listening, you should see the blank face on Paula. She's learned how to accept me as I am. <laughs> so I appreciate that. And actually, so now that we're closer to wrapping up, I also want to bring us back to you as a person because we just want to know things about you and our fellow Tidesters. That's the whole goal, right? And thanks for sharing the bigger picture around the topic of being mixed. But I want to bring it back to, hey, can you share with us what is something you like to do on the off time, no tides work at all, right? On a little weekend. And then I will start that off with just little fun fact type things that I've found out about y'all. First, for Paula, and then I'll give you to share. Paula actually has a great subscription to a wine club and has experience with drinking different types of wines. Paula also has a dope dog named Pistachio. And uh, there you can see, you can catch Pistachio every other day on the Pets channel on Slack. And also, you're very low-key about your educational background. You did a master's at Stanford. And I just confirmed in LinkedIn that my memory is correct, right? So some of those little fun facts is now share with me, Paula. What's something fun you like to do on the weekend and spend your time? Something fun I like to do on the weekend. I don't know. I just like to chill, hang out with friends, take pistachio to the dog park, 
let him run around, especially if it's a nice day. Binge watch a good show. You know, just regular stuff. Nice. And you're based in the Bay Area, and you play tennis too. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. I'm trying to pick up tennis and pickleball. I just like to pick up new hobbies to challenge myself and stay active. Very into staying active, whether it's hiking, snowboarding, rock climbing, wakeboarding, scuba diving, what have you. So whatever people are up to. I think some friends this weekend might go floating, so I might join them for that. And then also playing tennis later today. And Sophie, could you also confirm how I properly pronounce your last name? Aziaku. Aziaku. Okay. So Sophie, we've chatted. Fun note, you've run a marathon, the Brooklyn Marathon, around a year ago. And so on a personal side, if you have no tides obligations at all, nothing on your plate for work, how are you spending your weekend and free time? I've definitely made you know, my health and wellness a priority in recent years. So on the weekends, I'll usually do a yoga class. I do kundalini yoga and hot yoga. I get acupuncture, which I love. I've been going for like six years now, and it's been really helpful for me. I spend time with my friends and my, my mom also just recently moved to the U.S. this spring. And she's living with my brother in Philadelphia right now, but she comes to visit once a month. So we always go have dim sum and check out museums. And it's nice to, to be able to spend more time with her. Wow, that's nice. Did she move from France? Yes. Awesome. That's nice. I'm jealous because my mom lives in Colombia right now. Yeah, it's hard when your family's all over the place. Like a family reunion is not something in our vocabulary because... It's just so hard to get everyone together. Yeah, I don't think both sides of my family have ever like hung out together. <laughs> oh, yeah, because of the international aspect of everybody. Yeah. Well, cool. Thank you for joining and sharing your stories. I'm super excited to have this out and let people hear your experience and get to know y'all. And for everybody listening, send out a Slack to Paula, to Sophie, for a little catch-up, if you resonated with anything they shared, if you want to talk about yoga with Sophie or some wine and pickleball with Paula. I also love yoga, so it doesn't have to be about Oh, yeah, wine. you do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always happy to connect with any tidster, so definitely slack me anytime. Awesome. Thanks, y'all. Thank Bye. you.